Amen. Man, good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Church. So thankful that you're here this morning. And um, listen, we're so excited to, um, to finish up this series that we've been in this morning. And so if you've got a copy of God's Word, if you could get that in front of you and uh, open up to John chapter 17. Um, for those of you that have been with us uh, through this entire series, um, this is the uh, last sermon in the series about the last sermon of Jesus. So we've kind of come to the end. It's been amazing what God's uh, done. As, as we, If you've tracked with us uh, last year uh, about this time, we started uh, studying uh, Christ's Sermon on the Mount. And we looked at kind of this first sermon where Jesus was unpacking the characteristics of the kingdom of God and then um, just so much work done in our hearts and in our approach to God in that season. And then after that, we opened up to John 13 and started working through really Christ's final sermon uh, before he would be betrayed and eventually a march to his death. And so at this point in the sermon in John 17, um, Jesus has come to the end of the sermon and he's praying. And we spent the last two weeks sort of unpacking the sort of um, purpose and, and some of the, the, the key things that Jesus was praying about and, and the way that that should inform the way that we pray and the way that we think about the gospel. And so at this point in the sermon, he's praying for the mission of God to continue after his death, after his resurrection, after his eventual ascension, he's looking forward to what is coming. Uh, last week, we were uh, challenged by God's word to, to pray to prepare for the mission. I, I, my prayer is, is that we would have a sense of preparation and a sense of walking forward in the mission. This week, we're going to read Christ's prayer for every Christ follower, you and for me, anyone who's put their faith in Jesus Christ, to proclaim the truth of the gospel to the world. And we're going to see it even more clearly targeted and understanding what that looks like. And so uh, I'm going to walk through and kind of teach through verses 20 through 26, finishing up this chapter, and, and just kind of observe some things that I think are important to observe in the passage. And then I'm going to, I'm going to, we're going to talk about some ways that this should impact our lives and trust the Holy Spirit to really bring that to bear on us. You guys ready? Okay, here we go. Starting verse 20. Look what Jesus says there. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Now, this is, this is awesome. From the very beginning, the, the, the tone or the direction of Jesus' prayer changes. So, so raise your hand this morning if you're a follower of Christ. If you put your faith in Christ, raise your hand high. And if your hand is raised, this prayer was for you. Okay, you put your hand down. Think about that for a second. It, it, he, he's sitting there praying this prayer with his apostles in the, in the upper room before he's about to be betrayed. And this prayer, he's looking forward to people who would believe in him through the word of the gospel being shared. That's you and me. Christ was thinking about you as he was praying this. It's an expression of his heart for you and there's something beautiful and meaningful to understand that he was wanting and asking that the Spirit of God would form this in you and in me. So it should cause us to go, man, what is on, what is on Christ's heart? Like, what does he want for me? And what's the first request? Look at verse 21. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That's the, like, the top of, of unity, the top 
picture of unity, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Two things to look at there. First, that they may all be one. Like, check that. Like, that is a countercultural prayer. That is an audacious prayer. Really, in every generation, it's easy for our generation in today's world to, to recognize that into the conflict and into the, 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 the polarizing separation of so many positions and groups of people, into the division that we see everywhere in our culture, Christ longs for his people to be one and unified. Now, is every representation of that a bit imperfect? Yes. But his heart is for us to be one. But notice what the believers were unified around. Not a bunch of sub-issues, but, but unified around the person and the purposes of God. Found in God, to be found in Him, to, 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 to be in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, to be experiencing the fullness of God's revelation to man entering into communion with God and having relational intimacy with God through what Jesus accomplished, living into Christ. There's unity there. But what's the purpose of unity? Just so we can be like, sweet, we all agree? Is that the end of the unity? No, look at it says. It says there, so that, it's a purpose phrase, so that the world, so we've, we've got to live this out. It's got to be visible to the world. We talked about this extensively last week. Jesus is only reinforcing it as the prayer continues. That, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The world can be anybody with proximity to your life that does not know Jesus. But they should see something from your life. They should see it. Which means there's going to have to be some communication. There's going to have to be some being, as we talked about last week, in the world but not of the world. Christ was sent to the purpose of his sentness, the way we identify that God sent Jesus into the world is for us to represent that in the same way that Jesus was sent to the world, that we're sent to the world because we love the world. And our highest expression of love for them would be for them to know the one who was sent into the world, to bring salvation, to restore things that are broken, to give purpose and meaning to life, to overcome sin and death. And this Jesus was sent to the world and he communicated the message of salvation and the message of the kingdom of God and represents the truth through his life. And that's the same for every Christ follower. And then verses 22 and 23, the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. There, here it is again. So that the world may know that you sent me, and then he tags this extra part on, and loved them even as you loved me. So now Christ is asking for the same glory that the Father gave Jesus, for that glory to be experienced by the followers of Jesus Christ in such a way that it would be reflected to the world, so that the world would know that the Father loved Jesus and loved us in the way that we love. So now you see that the purpose of all of this is, is that in our witness to the world that we would reflect the glory of God and show the love of God. Two very key things. Then verse 24. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. 
Now you start to see Christ's heart is is that he wants to make a way and he will as he fulfills his work in this world. As we're going to talk about, he opened the door that we could draw near to him and actually experience, come face to face in worship and awe of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So that that glory could be shown to the world and this glory is, is to the degree of what Jesus experienced in being loved by God before the foundation of the world in perfect unity. Verses 25 and 26. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. That's us. I made known to them your name, and it will continue, and I will continue to make it known, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. So what Christ is saying here, he's, he's, he's like, hey, a, a, another promise is that I will continue to make your name known. I will continue to showcase your character and your goodness through my people to the world. And through his spirit, he promised, already has promised, even in this sermon, that he'll continue to make it known by loving his people and filling us with the presence and the power of Christ through the work of his spirit. That's an awesome promise. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I pray things and I'm like, okay, God, I'm asking that this is my prayer and I believe that you can do this, God, but there's, there's an aspect of always going, always praying that underneath the bigger, greater will of God. Some, that, some things that I'm aware of and some things that I'm not, but Jesus is praying this and he is the one who can fulfill it. So there are promises that he's declaring here in this prayer and if Christ prayed it, he will fulfill it. So we see what's on Christ's heart. I summarized it like this as our big move. Now as we sort of reflect on this and apply it to our lives, the big move is to showcase gospel unity to the world. Like, what, what is it that, that you showcase from your life? What is it? Just, just think about it for a bit. Think about your, your last 48 hours of your life as you navigate it around family or friends or, or a workplace. What do you showcase from your life? Everyone shows their value, what they value, in so many different ways. If you were to walk into my office and, and have a meeting with me, you would find certain things showcased in my office. In my office, I have some family pictures. I have some miniature helmets of my favorite sports teams. I have some souvenirs from different trips I've taken with my family or uh, some things that I have from some pictures up on the wall that I have from some mission trips I've taken and some people that I've had the chance to meet that I wanted to remember. I have pictures of the church that I served at in Chicago and I have uh, pictures of the first uh, launch uh, service right here in this room as we launched the church things that I value. And what you showcase in your offices or in your homes, they tell a story and they inform and they proclaim something. There's something you can get to know about me just by walking into my office without me there. Although if you do that, that'd be a little creepy if I walk in there. So probably not the best move. But um, God is concerned though with way more than what I or you showcase in our office or our homes. He cares about what is showcased by the desires of my heart. 
and your heart. He cares about what is showcased through our thoughts and through our actions. He wants my life and your life to showcase gospel unity to the world. It's emphasized in this prayer. And there's two aspects of gospel unity to showcase to the world that I want us to process through this morning. First is this. Showcase God's glory by drawing near to God. Verse 22 declares that Christ is, he's given his glory to his followers. The idea of glory here is simply just a sense of like awe and amazement at at, at being involved in the work of God, in the mission of God, knowing the person of God. All of revelation that we have in God's word and in the reality of our life and even in the midst of creation can cause us to come to a place of living in light of the glory of God as creator, God as judge, God as the one who is sovereign and good and merciful. Verse 24, he says, Father, he says, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. You recognize, and there's clues here that get unpacked throughout the rest of Scripture, if you want to showcase gospel unity to the world, then the first move is to draw near to God, to partake of the glory of God, and then reflect it to the world. That's, that's the starting point. The starting point is to draw near and to, and to partake of the glory of God and to recognize the realities of who God says he is. To observe that in your life and in, in, in the word and to find security there. And so it's, it's Psalm 63 too. When the psalmist wrote, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. It's not just Psalm 63.2, it's 2 Corinthians 3.18. Now, Paul writes, and we all, talking about believers, with unveiled face, because of Christ literally transforming our understanding of who Jesus is and who God is, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, the image of God, from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So we draw near to Christ, we behold His glory, and we respond with gratitude and praise. This is the rhythm that, is, that, that literally transforms us to be made more holy. From, from the beginning of faith in Christ, when you, when you first acknowledge him to be the person that he's revealed himself to be, to the, to the very end part of your life, when you come face to face and, and the end of this life and you move to a place of eternity and you're face to face with God, being transformed fully and completely, every single move along the way is from one degree of glory to another. And in every point where there's an increase in degree, it is always a result of people drawing near to Christ in the midst of whatever is going on, being amazed by the truth of God, sometimes leaning down upon God even when there's no seems to be no evidence in your world and standing firmly and God transforms us in that. In Exodus 34, Moses was on Mount Sinai. He was meeting with God 
And, and that was where he received the Ten Commandments, if you remember that chapter in the Old Testament. And when he came back down the mountain, the, 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 the Bible attests to the fact that he, he didn't know that the skin of his face was like shining. There was glory for meeting with God. And so he drew near to God, he saw the glory of God, and then he reflected this glory on his face to others. Church, now, that was just a preview. That was like a preview of, 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 of better things to come. Now, through what Christ accomplished, all Christ followers are invited to draw near to the throne of grace. See, Moses went up on a mountain to experience God's glory, but Jesus came down from the mountain, from heaven to earth, to make a way for everyone to know his glory. Amen? And so when you truly draw near to the throne of grace, and you see your need for God and the supply in what Christ has done in the gospel, you begin to see the glory of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working together. You're invited as a son and daughter of God through faith in Christ. You're invited into that love. And through that, glory is given to you. And that is what we showcase to the world. When our kids were younger, I I remember Amy and I noticing that any time that we were affectionate with one another, and they saw us like hugging or kissing one another, there was this way that their faces would shine. And often then as a result of that, of what they saw, they would run to us. And then we'd pick them up and put them in the middle and just like smooch all over their cute little faces. It it doesn't quite work as well with teenagers, but with little kids it works. (laughs) Although we still try. And, and we would invite them into the unity of our love. And even now with, with older kids, we, we're still affectionate with them, sometimes just to get them to be like, ugh. But it's clear that it provides a sense of safety and security in ways they can't express. They see a glory to the unity and love in our marriage and their faces behold the goodness of it and their faces shine with joy. But that is a profoundly lesser and imperfect picture of the goodness that comes from beholding the glory of God in the perfect unity and community that exists between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus alludes to it earlier and again here. Before the foundation of the world, there was this beautiful unity. It was perfect love, and and when you see it, like a small child, you're drawn to it. You want to be near it. You want to you, you, you just bask in the glow of it. You want it to, to gather you up and hold you close in the midst of the, the brokenness and the fallenness of this world and just say, I'm here and I won't move. When all other realities of relationships can be unstable and insecure and the reality of sin can even break those down, that what God says is he says, come here, I'll draw near to you as you draw near to me and I will secure your life. And through faith in Christ, you're enveloped in the unity of God's love. And it is a source and security of biblical joy. Draw near to God through his word. Draw near in prayer to to talk to Christ to express your need for his mercy and his grace to help in all times of need. 
draw near and worship like we just did, just ascribing worth and beholding the glory of God. And from that place, regardless of what might happen in the circumstances of your life, you could be secured in this beauty and power and glory of the unity that exists in such a way that you can showcase God's glory to the world. It's why we are, one of the things that we just feel like we want to embed in 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 our life as disciples is this idea of drawing near to Christ. Next week, I'm starting a new series called Take Aim. And, and what we're going to do for a number of months is we're going to take series by series, maybe four different sort of sub-series in this bigger series, and we're going to be looking at what we unpack to our church, our sort of vision for discipleship, and the marks of what a disciple is. We want to study that, process that, apply that to our life. So the first one, if those of you that remember, is draw near to Christ. So if you're like, man, Brian, you kind of got there, but I'm asking for more, it's coming. And we're going to unpack that and go through it in detail. And then after draw near to Christ, we're going to talk about knowing the work of Christ. And then we're going to talk about becoming like Christ, and then we're going to finish with living for Christ. And we're going to spend this time just reinforcing discipleship in our church. So excited for that series starting next week. So when you truly draw near to the the person of Christ revealed in God's word, this is what the world should see. Write this down in your notes, hands ascending. Hands ascending. It's the first picture that you see Jesus sort of having a vision for. As you unpack the fullness of what he's praying here, the first thing that you see without question is hands ascending. He's got on his mind a people. They would have their hands reaching up. Do it right now. I want, you, I want you to practice. I want you to feel this reality. So many times we're like, we're like this or like this or like holding on to things in our life. When you get your hands up, you can feel yourself. You have to release everything from the world to get your hands ascending. Okay, I, I, your eyes start to move upward when your hands ascend. You, you get your eyes off of all the things in your life that you can grab hold of and be concerned with and consumed with. You get your eyes off of self and the circumstances of your life and you get your hands up. Hands ascending. You can put your hands down. Feeling the stretching of your hands upward to God is a, is a physical action that reflects a heart posture. And when you get your hands ascending first and you get your eyes up, just like we talked about last week, you get your eyes off of this world and on the heavenlies. You get your eyes off of the natural world and you get your eyes on the supernatural world. And and when that is happening, in God's church, We start showcasing the glory of God, the gospel unity to the world. See hands ascending. That's the first thing. Then the second aspect of gospel unity is to showcase God's love by loving one another. Verse 23, if you think about this, it's kind of a crazy prayer that Jesus is praying. He says, I in them, Jesus in us, and you God in me, Which means now that if Jesus is in us and God is in Jesus, then God and the Father and the Son, and then later the work of the Holy Spirit is going to come, is going to be working in us, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. 
How is the world going to know that the Father loves us like he loved Christ? That's a lot. That's pretty powerful. The world, as you see here and throughout the rest of even just John, the world is going to see God's love by the way you were loved by God, the way you receive that love, and this will be clearly witnessed by the world by how we love each other and how we love the world. That's the revelation. What Christ is praying here is, is, is asking that God's people, through the way that we love one another, would show that they're one and through that would display Christ's love for us to the world. See, when our love is supernatural, our, our love is empowered, when it's empowered by God's spirit, the world will have to take notice at what is happening. It's not natural, it's supernatural. I don't even have time this morning to give you a, a testimony throughout history of the things that have come out of the church of Jesus Christ that has had massive impacts in loving the world. There's so many times when you, when you hear the story of a compassion to, to, to care for the needy or, or a compassion even to educate children, a compassion to care for uh, the people that are marginalized by society or to reach past boundaries to, to, to love enemies. Behind so many of those testimonies in our world, you find people enamored by a love for God compelling them to love others. It's, it's unbelievable and it's a supernatural love. This love is proclaimed in the gospel and it's lived out by those who know the God of the gospel. That's why God commands us to love in John 15, 12. Do you remember this as we studied it earlier in this series? When Jesus said this, he said, this is my commandment that you love one another. And this last part, I was like, Jesus, like... I say this all the time to my mom, I'm like, that last part, that last part's the challenging part. Like, if it's just that you love one another, like, I can kind of form that however that works for me, and I can be like, I'm loving you like I can. Sorry if it's insufficient. And so the bar gets set by my own selfishness and sin, which means it's way down here. But Jesus enters in and he says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. And suddenly I am on my knees. We love one another because we've been loved by God. We love out of the overflowing um, work of abiding in the love of God. Jesus is stating here so boldly, the world will never be allowed to define the extent or the parameters of love. Love is never love. God defines the parameters and the extent of love. He declares it here, that you love one another, not so that love is love, but so that love is defined by how I loved you. The God who laid down his life for the whole world, it is a love marked by sacrifice and painful at times. It, in Christ, you're taught about a selfless love that looks to the needs of others before your own needs. You learn about a persevering love that remains even when hurt and extends even to enemies. It's a compassionate love that doesn't pass by broken people or people living on the margins of the culture or our workplace or our school. 
or our communities. God's love leads to incomparable unity. Incomprehensible, really. I mean, just look around this room. Different generations, living in different locations in our area, completely different backgrounds, families of origin, ethnicities, occupations, personalities, affinities. But we gather together every week. Like, that's kind of crazy. Can we just admit it? It's always helpful if you're doing something crazy, just admit it. Okay, like it's a little crazy. And it's not normal. Not in our world today. And we're not even gathered for ourselves, if we rightly understand why we're gathered. We're gathered to worship a supernatural being who's intersected our lives in a supernatural way that's left a supernatural testimony that has compelled us to continue to walk in a supernatural mission. And that's just crazy. And we aim then, and we gather here to get our eyes on God so that, so that we could learn to love one another because we've been loved by God so profoundly that we're like, listen, bring anybody in who wants to love that God because the reality of the testimony of the gospel is that that love will extend to whoever comes in. And so I don't care about your background or where you've been. I don't care what you've known or what your family did on Sundays growing up. All I care about is that we come in and we worship this God who has given us an incomparable a testimony of his goodness to us. And so the question for you as you consider this is, is the supernatural work of God training you then to love like God? Is it calling you and challenging you to sacrifice in ways you never thought possible or moving past the natural to the supernatural? His love is your supply, and through the example of his love, what he's calling you to is to access the steady and consistent center of the love that exists perfectly in the Godhead. And is drawing near to that, then what he's wanting to do as a part of that, as a product of that, is that through the example of his love, that what he's going to do is he's going to call you to move past natural to supernatural. He's going to call you to move past natural fears of rejection and insecurity and even negatively judgment towards others to love them. To move past natural awkwardness as you learn to love others well and deeply and consistently in all of the weird ways that our mind can think thoughts that sometimes we know aren't true that can get in the way of love and even make it awkward and clunky and difficult. But you're going to move past that because you're not stopping in natural because you believe God's called you to something supernatural. That you move past the natural selfishness to, to, to press past that to something supernatural where you will sacrificially give and love and serve. Even at times when you're like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. Except that God compels me to it. When you love others empowered by God, this is what the world will now see from your life. They'll see hands extending. I know you want to try it. Come on. If your back's getting a little tight, just feel it. Feel this movement. Like, like you, can't, you can't wrap your arms around yourself when your hands are extending. 
and, and we, we want to turn to our to turn forward and backwards and left and right and see the people around us and we look to others. We get our minds off of ourselves. And what God's calling us to in this prayer is to move from the natural form, which for sure is selfish and, and looking inward, to get our heads up and start to look outward. Maybe there's a friend or a family member sitting next to you right now, and if you're comfortable, like I hope you are, maybe you could just extend your hand to them. Put an arm around their shoulder or put your hand, good move. Some husbands are like, okay, I better get this. (laughs) Whatever is comfortable, just just like, here's the thing, here's the thing. God calls you to keep extending, to keep extending. You know, even if, even, if you're, even if you're married this morning or even if you're in a family and maybe you had a disagreement or a fight this morning, God's love says continue to extend. Continue to extend. Continue to extend. Past natural to supernatural. Natural stops when I've been hurt. Natural self-protects. Natural is self-whatever follows. And supernatural love extends. God calls you to keep extending love to one another and to the world. And not just the people that you're comfortable with. See, see what God's love does is not only does it push past natural boundaries that can come up and natural hurt that can play out in family relationships, God calls your love to extend to restore broken relationships. To extend to the needy. To extend to enemies. That's supernatural. Follow where God might lead you as your hands extend. Move past natural and move to supernatural. And that will showcase God's love to the world by loving one another. And it will showcase gospel unity to the world. So, so in, in a few moments, uh, we're going we're to conclude with communion, but I, I have to tie these two points together rightly And so this critical point, I want you to write down if you're taking notes or remember this. Don't separate love from glory. Don't separate point two from point one. You could say it like this. Hands ascend before hands extend. This is, this is such a simple thing, but it's missed so often by the followers of Jesus Christ. And so what happens is, is if I try to love, I don't care how long I've walked with Jesus, I don't care how long the rhythms of loving have played out in my life, or how long that I have tried to extend my love to people in different situations in my life, if I extend to my hands out to love people without my hands ascending first, it is a worldly love. If I haven't first been filled by God and grabbed hold of by faith the reality of his love and drawn down upon that to fill my own heart and life, what I extend will be worldly love. And I know this, that in a moment that switch and I can pivot And in a moment, entering into a tough situation or a tough conversation or a situation in my household or in the context of the church, and I can move and the the, the sense of my love can be worldly. It becomes a love powered by natural means, not supernatural means. Because worldly love is about showcasing your mission and message to the world. 
But godly love has my mind positioned on showcasing God's mission and message to the world. His, not mine. More of him, less of me. And what then happens is is that I now want to show the world a love rooted in the unity of the Trinity, experience and overflowing from my life as then I move to extend into loving others. Hands ascend before hands extend. And some of you, before you ever make a move here, should draw near to the Father to experience something here that you take into that extension. And when that happens, the ability to extend will move from natural to supernatural. And you'll be empowered for that work. So we showcase God's glory by drawing near to God, hands ascending. We showcase God's love by loving one another, hands extending. Showcase gospel unity to the world. Glory and love, um, they truly come together when we gather as the Church of Jesus Christ to remember what Christ accomplished on the cross. Like love and sacrifice, the, the glory of forgiving sin, the display of His grace, and dying for sin so that we don't have to, amen? Amen. We ask for Christ's help because of what he accomplished. And so we're going we're gonna to finish this message in this series by, uh, by moving to communion. In a few moments, the communion trays are going to be passed. And, and if you're not a believer, please let the trays pass by. And I would just ask that you would consider that God's love for you has been extended in such a way that, that, that God loves you in the gospel. And you can receive him and receive communion this morning. But if, if, you, if you don't know Christ, let the trace pass. But if you're a Christ follower, I want you to take the two cups stacked on top of one another. And I want you to hold them until we take them together. And as you hold them, I want you to remember what you're holding. I want you to recognize that the, that the bread that you're holding represents Christ's body given for you. Like he came into our world in bodily form to to be the perfect sacrifice because he loves you. I want you to recognize what you're holding, what it represents. The juice represents his blood sacrificially poured out to cover the guilt and shame of your sin. I want you to remember, communion is where your face beholds the glory of God beaming from his loving sacrifice. Communion is where you receive his supernatural love that teaches and trains you to love others. So take this time just to remember as the band sings this song over us. Let's do it now.